Today, I'm going to talk to you about faith and grace and redemption. Now, it may sound like theological, but this is going to be extremely practical. And uh, I believe that for many of us, it will literally change our paradigm about prayer and about receiving from God. So I'd like you to listen carefully. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Now, notice it says by grace, you have been. Right? It, it, it's a done deal. In fact, you were saved technically before you were ever born. You were saved 2,000 years ago. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And, and what, what God gave was his son who provided a complete redemption for you. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have. Right? Now, everything that you're going to have was already taken care of 2,000 years ago. And, and what, what we so often think is we think we've got to get God to do something. But the truth is, you don't need to get God to do anything because he's already done everything. So it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's not that you work for it, not that you're great, not that you're awesome, not that God went, oh, you, look at that person. I've got to have them. No, they're so special. They're so different. Look at their great gifts. Look at how smart they are. This is not from yourselves. It's not because of how good you were. It's a gift of God. It's grace. It's what God, look, grace is what God has done for you. He's done it before you, before you were ever born. It's unearned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. You did not deserve it. Grace is what God did that you did not deserve. The Bible says that, well, we were yet enemies of God, that Christ died for us. But what faith is, is faith is our positive response to what God has done by grace in Christ. So God's already done it all by grace. But if it was only grace, if you were just saved by grace, then everybody would be saved. Because God did it all for everybody, undeserved, unmerited, right? Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So God's grace is there. But the Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. So grace provides everything. Not that you earned it, not that you deserved it. Unmerited favor is provided. But you receive what God did for you by faith. Uh, I think of it kind of like this, all right? Grace and faith have a relationship kind of like sodium and chloride, right? If you get too much sodium, it is not good for you, right? Sodium produces high blood pressure, right? Heart problems. But if you get too much chloride, well, it brings kidney disease, right? But if you put the two together, you get table salt and you need some of that. You've got to have salt to live, right? So you've got sodium that really is not good for you. You've got chloride that's not good for you, but you put those two together and you get table salt that's good for you. If you just have grace, it is not good for you. If you just have faith, it is not good for you, right? But if you put those two together, which you have 
is you connect with redemption and you receive what God has for you, right? Grace alone will kill you. It'll just kill you if all you have is grace. Several years ago, uh, I, I was with a friend and, and we, were, we were witnessing to a couple down on Granville Avenue. Uh, they were sitting on their porch and we were talking to them about God and they're smoking dope and we're trying to get them saved. Right? And, and, and I remember them saying to us, well, God's grace just got us covered. You know, we're, 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 just, we're, just, we're just under grace. Right? And they're sitting there smoking dope and, and talking about living an immoral life. And, and they literally said to us, God's grace has us all covered. Doesn't matter what we do. They said, we're just predestined and we're going to heaven. Doesn't matter what we do. Right? Now, now, by the way, you can always tell if a doctrine is biblical by how it makes you live. Right? If it doesn't have you living right, you've got that thing messed up somehow. Right? And they simply believed that before time began, that God simply chose certain people and he predestined those people to be saved. Right? And if they were going to be saved, they were going to be saved, didn't matter what they did. And if they were going to go to hell, they were going to go to hell no matter what they did. Right? And that's where grace takes you in an extreme. But by the way, Romans 8 verse 29 says, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So the people that are predestined are the people that God foreknew, right? Theologically, they call this God's foreknowledge, which simply means this, that God is able to do something that you cannot do. How many of you do not know what's going to happen next week, next month, next year? You don't know. But let me tell you something about God. It's not cheating, but he can go ahead and look. Right? He created time. Time, you, you are bound by it, but God's not. So God's foreknowledge is God's ability to go ahead and look and see what happens. So everybody that God looked ahead and he saw receive Jesus, he predestined. He didn't make the decision for you. He just saw what you did. All right. So, so really what we do is we respond to grace. Now, gr grace is not dependent on your behavior, right? Uh, it, it, whether, whether you feel like you're right with God or not doesn't matter. What you do does not matter because grace is something that took place 2,000 years ago. And God's grace is not based on how holy you are, how right you live, or how you feel. God's grace does not depend on what you do or do not do. Because grace is already done. It's what God's already done for you. Now, you've heard this said before. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Right? All of it is based on grace, right? What God did through Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, providing for you is God's grace. Now, you connect with it by faith. And what you do affects your faith. Now, here's what the, the, Bible, the Bible says this, that your heart can become hardened, right? You, you can become darkened in your understanding, Right? Now, what that says is this, that faith is affected by how you live. Grace is not affected by how you live. What God has done for you, 
What's available to you is not affected by how you live. But your, being, your ability to connect and to receive from God is affected because sin darkens your heart. Sin darkens your understanding and causes your heart to get hard towards God. So 1 Timothy 4 verse 10. For to this end be both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Grace is extended to everyone. For God so loved the, the world. But notice it says especially those who believe. It says in John chapter 1, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. The grace is there for everyone, but it has to be received by faith. That's why the Bible says you've been, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's what God did for you 2,000 years ago. That's grace. That's unmerited. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's unmerited. But you connect by faith. You receive what he's done by faith. First, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now notice it says that his divine power has granted to us. That's past tense. Everything pertaining to life, your normal everyday life, and godliness, your spiritual life. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus obtained a complete redemption. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross, it covers everything. There was nothing left out. God didn't miss anything. Our redemption is complete for our natural life and our spiritual life. Right? And it says here that he has granted to us. 2,000 years ago, it was granted. And what you and I do now is we reach out by faith and we receive it. Now, here's what we tend to think. We think we've got to get God to do something. In fact, we pray a lot of really dumb prayers. We pray prayers like this. Oh, God, be with us. He said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. Kind of like slapping God in the face. Well, I don't believe that one. God bless me. He said he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. Now, are you blessed or are you asking God to bless you? Do you need to reach out and receive it or do you need to get God to do something? You see, the truth is everything God's going to do for us is already done. But we need to reach out and receive it. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he says, I don't cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of God. Now, notice that Paul prays different than most of us. We pray for somebody. We even pray for ourselves. And we say, God bless us. God help us. God deliver us. God provide this for us. But Paul prays completely different. He doesn't do any of that. When he prays, he said, God, uh, open their eyes because they can see 
which you've already done for them. By having the eyes of their heart flooded with light so they can know and understand the hope to which you have called them. What's God's purpose for you? And how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints? What has Jesus provided for you? So that they can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Paul says we need revelation so that we understand that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us and working for us. He doesn't pray, God bless them, God heal them, God deliver them, God provide for them. No, he says, God, open their eyes so they can see what you've already done and that your power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it's in them and it's available to work for them that believe. That's a different prayer. I was reading a book oh, in the last month and it was about a, a man who had gone to Vietnam. And uh, he mentioned that they were up on top of a hill, and, and I think there were like 40, 50 um, soldiers up on top of this hill, and they were surrounded by between five and 10,000 Vietnamese, Viet Cong. He said they had so much firepower. He said it was just unbelievable. He said the, the Viet Cong, there were just a few soldiers, but he said the Viet Cong did not have a chance. He said, first of all, he said we were on the high ground. He said it's always hard to take the high ground. He said, it's easy to defend high ground and it's hard to take high ground. And then he said, secondly, he said, we had so much firepower. He said that they didn't even have a chance. He said, he'd just go to sleep at night and he said, there'd be, there'd be uh, rocket fire and there'd be motors exploding. He said, he'd just sleep through it all because he knew they were on top. They were in a secure position. See, here's what the devil wants you to think. He wants you to think that you're trying to get delivered. But the truth is that you are delivered and he's trying to get you in bondage. He wants you to think you don't have any victory, but the truth is you have victory and he's trying to pull you down from that place of victory. He's trying to tell you you need to get healed, but the truth is by his stripes you were healed. You're already healed. He's just trying to get you down. You see, you're, you've got that position of high ground. You're not trying to get something. You're not trying to get God to do something. He's already done everything that needs to be done. But what we need to do is we need to recognize grace provided it. And now by faith, we take it. We receive it by faith. We don't need to get him to do something. He's already done everything that we need for life and godliness. We have a complete redemption in Christ. And we don't need to get God to do something. People get frustrated trying to get God. God, save Uncle Ron. Save him, God. Save him. Oh, God, have mercy. Save him. Listen, God had mercy 2,000 years ago. He sent Jesus to the cross 2,000 years. What could God do to save Uncle Ron? Jesus went to the cross. Jesus took his sin. Jesus had the thorns. He had the spikes in his hands, in his feet, spear in his side. He was dead. He was buried. He defeated sin, death, and the devil rose again, took a seat at the right hand of God. What more can he do? 
What more can he do? What we need to pray is we need to pray that his eyes are open, that he see what's been done for him, right? That's what we need. We need to recognize that God has already done it all. We don't need to get God to do something. He has provided all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It says that's working in you and for you. Like one translation says, those of us who believe. It's when we believe and we grab hold of that that we receive what has been done for us. Remember, Hebrews 9, 12. He secured a complete redemption. Nothing left out. God thought of everything. Everything is included, right? Faith does not move God. God has already moved. He's already done everything that he needs to do. How many of you ever played checkers? If we're playing checkers and I move, whose move is it? It's yours. God's already moved. He's moved. He's provided salvation. He provided forgiveness. He provided deliverance. He provided victory. He provided peace. He provided joy. But what we need to do is we need to reach out in faith. We need to respond to what he has done for us. Right? Your faith does not force God to do anything. He's already done it. It's a done deal 2,000 years ago. It was provided for. Right? And... It, we can't, listen, you cannot receive by faith anything that God has not provided. Faith doesn't get God to do something new. Faith receives what has already been done. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or the word concerning Christ. Right? So faith comes when we hear what Christ did for us. And you can't receive from God except by faith. So your faith simply recognizes what grace provided and says, yes, I believe that grace provided it. And I believe it's for me. I believe it's for me today. I believe it's for me now. Right? That's what faith does. So you can't, look, you cannot stop on the way home and rob a gas station by faith. You can't say, God, I believe that I'm going to rob this gas station and I'm going to get away with it and I'm not going to get caught in Jesus' name. You can't do that. You say, why can't I do that? Because there's no provision in the atonement for robbing gas stations. There's no provision. Only thing that faith can do is receive what has been provided for. Remember, Abraham is literally called faith man in the Bible. But you know what he believed? He believed God. God said something to him, and he believed what God said. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You know, uh, a while back, I, I was young and good looking, and I, I got a letter, all right? And this lady was believing that Jeannie was going to die, and we were going to get married. You know what you do with people like that, don't you? You give them a flashlight and a Bible. Lock him in a closet for a year. All right. You can't believe somebody else is going to die and you're going to marry their spouse. Where's that in the atonement? Right. People try to do stupid things by, and they say that's faith. That's not faith. That's not Bible faith. 
Bible faith is believing what God has said he has done for you, he's done for you, and receiving that and saying, yes, I believe it. It's true. It's true about me, and it's true about me today. Right? So when you try to get God to do something, you're going to get frustrated because he's already done it. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. But now look, listen, God does chapter and verse. I don't know how else to say that. What Jesus did. The Bible says, for example, in Mark 16, verse 20, and the Lord worked with them confirming the word with signs following. See, God does the word. That's what he does. He does the Bible. Psalms 138, verse 2 says he has magnified his word above all his name. I think it's interesting in Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and it says, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I just want to congratulate you. You have a good custom, a good habit. You're in church on Sunday. That's where we should be. Somebody says, I have other things to do. My friend called me up and said, let's go play golf or let's go to the mall. You say, yes, right after church. Just say, yes, right after church. Be like Jesus. He had the, the habit. Say, and it was handed to him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, recover his sight to blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then the Bible says that he took the book, and he handed it back to the man, and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here's what Jesus said. This scripture that I just read, it's true today about me. It's true today about me. Right? You know, when you read your Bible, when you have faith, you read that Bible and you see what God said and you say, it's true today about me. See, you need to be able to find the place where it's written because your faith has to be based on the Bible. It has to be based on what Jesus has done for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's got to be what God says he's done for you, what belongs to you. That's, that's where your faith has to be. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or the word concerning Christ. Now, here's where a lot of people are. You say to them, well, you're believing to be set free. What, what verse are you believing? Well, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, what verse are you believing? Um, um, Jesus healed the leper. You know, if, if you're just, well, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of believing the Bible. Well, they're just going to kind of get nothing. Right? You need to be believing chapter and verse. You need to have that verse down on the inside of you. You need to be able to say this verse is true today about me. I believe it. I believe that grace provided this for me, and now I reach out and I receive it by faith. Right? And there is such a difference between trying to get God to do something and knowing that it's already been provided for you. Right? You're not trying to get it. The devil's trying to take it from you. Right? You've already got it. It belongs to you. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you and for you. All right. So grace 
is not dependent on you. In fact, God's grace is totally dependent, independent of you. It does not depend on how you feel. It doesn't depend on how holy you are or are not. It does not depend on what you've done. God's grace is something that took place 2,000 years ago. It's paid for, and there is a complete redemption provided for you. But you receive that, but that grace purchased for you by faith, by faith. Now, your heart can become hard through sin. The Bible says that your understanding can become darkened through sin. Right? So God's not holding out on you, right? But if, if you, you, you are not living right, right, it can affect your faith. And by the way, the Bible says this about grace. It says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to live upright, godly lives in this present wicked, evil world or generation. God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodly. People say, well, you just got grace. You can just live however you want because there's just grace that covers everything. No, the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to say no. In fact, everybody just shout that once. Shout no. No. Yeah, that's God's grace is not a license to go and live an ungodly life. The grace of God teaches us to say no to those ungodly, worldly desires, the things that are so prevalent today in our culture. All that was needed has been provided for, for your deliverance, for peace, for joy, for righteousness, for deliverance, for healing, for provision. It's already been done. He's blessed us with every blessing in, in heavenly places in Christ. 2 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were. You were healed. And that, 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 that's healing. That's a physical healing. That's an emotional healing. It's not something God has to do something more for you. It's something we need to reach out and receive by faith. Right? We need revelation of what God did for us in Christ at the cross. That's what Paul prayed. Not that we would just be blessed or healed or delivered, but he prayed, God, open their eyes so they have a revelation of what grace has purchased for them. Right? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power that is at work in and for every believer? The same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's already done. So we don't need to get God to deliver us. We don't need to get God to give peace, to give victory. We need to recognize he's already given it to us. We need to reach out, receive what he's done for us by faith. Romans chapter 1 in verse 16. Let me close with this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power. I've heard people say fasting is the power and praise is the power and, and worship is the power and prayer is the power. But the Bible says the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, when we see that word salvation, we tend to think die and go to heaven. But I want to just real quickly read to you Dr. Schofield's notes from Romans 116. 
on the word gospel. Excuse me, on the word salvation. The Hebrew and Greek words of salvation imply the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness. Salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel. Gathering into itself all the redemptive acts and processes such as justification, redemption, grace, propitiation, imputation, forgiveness, sanctification, and glorification. Now here's what it says. That that word, it really means, gathers into itself all of the redemptive acts and processes. What it's saying is this. When the Bible says salvation, it's talking about something that Jesus purchased for you 2,000 years ago. And the gospel, what Jesus did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection, it is what connects you to what Jesus did for you. And it includes deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, justification, redemption, propitiation, imputation, forgiveness, sanctification, and glorification. Everything God did for you, he did it in Christ 2,000 years ago. And today, we receive it. It's the power of God to everyone who believes, believes, believes. And where do we get that faith? Where does it come from? As we spend time in God's word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God.